You're listening to a Conversations on Character special, brought to you by the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues in collaboration with the Sport Legacy Foundation. Your host is Professor Tom Harrison, and this week he interviews Wazim Khan, MBE, former County Championship winning cricket player, CEO of Chance to Shine, and now the ICC General Manager of Cricket. Welcome to the latest episode of the Conversations on Character Commonwealth Games special. This mini-series is delivered in collaboration with the Sports Legacy Foundation alongside the Jubilee Centre. And our next guest for this mini-series is Wazim Khan, MBE. Wazim is a former county cricket player, the Managing Director of Pakistan Cricket Board and CEO of Chance to Shine Campaign in Leicestershire County Cricket Club. Recently, however, Wazim was appointed to the prestigious post of International Cricket Council General Manager of Cricket. And I love this conversation. In it, Wazim spoke really passionately about the importance of character in his career and indeed in his life after sport. He also talked about the inclusion of women's cricket in the Commonwealth Games and his hopes for the Games in Birmingham. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Wazim, thank you so much for being a guest on this third series of the Conversations on Character podcast, where we're particularly focusing on character and sport, linking into the Commonwealth Games. It's so good of you to join us today. Pleasure, Tom. Thank you for having me. Going to get into your very distinguished career, and you really have had a distinguished career. But what I want to start by doing is, if that's okay, is taking you back to uh, where you really got into sport, which was through cricket and your time at Warwickshire. uh, I know you were a double winning county cricket team in 1995 and had a lot of success at the, uh, the crease. What what are your memories from those days back at 1995? And in particular, I suppose, thinking in relation to kind of the sorts of character qualities and strengths that you're expected to show. Yeah, look, just taking you back a little bit from that as well, Tom. I sort of, when I became a pro cricketer at the age of 19, I think I was the first British-born Pakistani to be awarded a professional contract in a very much a white sort of dominated environment, which cricket had been for a very, very long time. So you know, if I if I look back, I had this sort of steely determination from the age of 12 saying I wanted to be a pro cricketer. And people kept looking at me from my own community saying, you know, what the hell are you talking about? Firstly, there's no money and there's no career in it. And secondly, it's not for people like us. So, you know, what I developed from a very young age was a huge amount of resilience and a belief that when I had a bat in my hand, I was equal to anybody. Despite the fact through my county age group years, the majority of kids that I played with were from public schools. I I kind of learned the importance of resilience and hard work. So when I got into the professional staff of Warwickshire at the age of 19 in 1990, it was it was took me five years to break into the first team. Despite a lot of performances in the second eleven, you know, you had the likes of Brian Lara at the club. You had some great cricketers um, who were ahead of me. So I kind of knew I needed to kind of do my time, if you like, before I got an opportunity. So a lot of the things that I'd learned from the ages of 13 up to 19, trying to make it as a pro cricketer, they were the things that I fell back on when I used to have those dark days about, you know, am I really going to make it? And I'm still waiting for my opportunity. But I kept going and going and going. And I think that that resilience I developed from a young age, um, you know, was amazing. So when I broke into the team at the age of 24 in 1995, uh, averaging, I think, just under 49 in the championship winning year, and I got a Nat West Midders medal in the same year. So when I look back on cricket, 1995, if I could relive that year again, I would uh, I would absolutely do it. 
it's a brilliant story. But what was really important there was who you were or the character qualities that you actually displayed to, you know, that tenacity and that resilience. You, you kind of talked about you learning those, but in many people, you can teach skills around cricket, I think, but it's yeah. hard to sometimes kind of teach each qualities around resilience, determination. So do you, do you think you were born with them to some extent, or do you think they were developed through your, the experiences of your life in those early years? I think I think I initially initially had it. I think there was a level of determination within me. I was I was very competitive from a young age. So whether I was playing football or whether I was playing cricket or marbles, whatever it was, you know, I always want to, wanted to win and I had this competitive streak about me. My, my character, interestingly, because, you know, you kind of look back and you think, did cricket, even at that age, reveal my character or was it shaped in later life? I always had a vision in my mind. I always saw myself walking out of Edgbaston at the age of 19, 20, playing for Warwickshire. I used to go along and watch and sit in the stand with my egg sandwiches at the age of 14 on my own, catching three buses to get there. And I, I wanted to be there. So I kind of developed this vision and the vision brought me happiness. And it brought me a sense of, um, uh, as I say, determination to be there one day. And then when I realized, obviously, I was quite good, then that gave me extra confidence. And, you know, I think it's like anything. When you know you're good at something um, and you have a skill in something, it just gives you an inner belief. And I had that inner belief from the age of 13 that I was perhaps not, you know, from a character perspective, you know, equal to everybody. But, but you know, when I had a bat in my hand, I believed that, you know, I used to puff my chest out and believe that I had something special. And you hear a lot of here, you know, hear a lot about arrogance and ego. Uh, but I think that to be a sportsman, there needs to be a, a level of ego that you need to have that kind of separates you a little bit from everybody else and makes, you know, you, you're a bit of a show person, you're a showman. You know, you want to show people how good you are. Um, and therefore, every time I had a bat in my hand and I went out, I just believe that, you know, I was, you know, whilst on a social level as equal to anybody, but I felt with a bat in my hand, I was better than others around me. And I think that was a belief that got me through, Tom, um, from a young age. And I think the resilience just came from my neighborhood and where I grew up. Um, you had to sort of grapple for little bits here and there. I lost my father at the age of 15. So I was brought up by my mum and my sister, you know, went away to Australia at the age of 19, having never really left Birmingham in my life. Suddenly I'd embarked from a, a, a Pakistani household in inner city Birmingham, going to live with a family in Australia for seven months to go and play cricket. So, you know, that further developed my character. Uh, I learned to fend for myself. I learned to understand the importance of uh socializing and meeting other people you know all the great things that cricket helps you do it unearths your character but it certainly develops your character and and makes you a more richer person for it and i certainly found that through my experiences it's, it's very clear and, and a lot of kind of character theory will show how much is developed through experiences um were there particular people who inspired you in that early journey or you really felt, you know, that's the sorts of character qualities that I really admire and, and I'd love to show myself in my, my own career? You know, little things, like Tom, such as, you know, the, the, a teacher believing in me, you know, who spotted me in the playground, a guy called Peter Bolland, who I'll always be indebted to because he not only spotted a talent, but he then committed to supporting me on that journey in my early years and taking me to Edgbaston and and so, you know, he was my very early sort of mentor, if you like, that I could speak to. Apart from that, I think what I did is I, I kind of learned from a young age as well about um, where I could gain little bits and little nuggets from different people. 
But the fundamental common denominator was um, I needed people to have belief in me uh, and tell me how good I was at what I did. And I need that affirmation constantly as a young kid growing up in a, in feeling a little bit vulnerable about the, the social circles I was moving into. So I think that just gave me a level of confidence, you know, people pointing the finger, looking at me and saying, Do you know what, you're bloody good you are. And I think that it was a combination of all of these things. And I've always been lucky from a young age, I always had this awareness about these sorts of things, which I think helped me navigate through my professional life playing cricket as well what's essential there isn't just the blind kind of following of of people it's actually your kind of critical reflection on the different sorts of people around you and what and what's kind of appropriate in different situations that are so keen so even even, you know blind following of role models isn't particularly you know helpful I think in terms of development it's about that interaction with them and you know yeah I mean, what's, what's been clear from what you say there is how that early period in your life, and particularly your, your cricketing career, really kind of shaped a lot of who you were. And is there um, particular kind of aspects, I suppose, from that learning of cricket that are really particularly you, you now look back on and think, I gained that or developed that from that time. And, and that's really helped me through um, some of the more ups and downs of, of, of your career to date. Yeah, I guess there's a number of lessons. Um, one, one of them was definitely around emotional resilience i think that you hear that spoken about a lot now particularly with the, with the pandemic and what's gone on and the need for emotional uh intelligence here a lot of leaders speak about it but there really is a, le- a a need for that and i think that through my experiences and when i was an opening batter you know i had other people say look you're going to have more bad days than good how are you going to deal with that you know you could practice all week beautifully hit the ball so well in the cricket nets, but then you go out and you get out first ball in a match. And how do you come back from that? And, you know, how do you come back from your your low spots? And I, I learned through even through participation at a young age that um, learning to deal with winning and losing um, was critical in terms of just A, regulating your own emotions, but also developing a level of resilience within yourself to come back. And and I think that, you know, you look at things such as, you know, the Sport Legacy Foundation, which has been set up in in East Birmingham uh, with Sport for Life International and the work they're doing with Moeen Ali, is that, um, you know, it's all about um, giving access to opportunities so young people can learn and develop as people. Um, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit of no doubt about Chance to Shine and, and the, the ethos behind that. But, Having that emotional resilience, I think, was a really key part to start with. I look back on my early days and, and my leadership, I think moral courage and, and I think the importance to do the right things at the right time. You know, I had, you know, you had that conflict as a young guy where or a young girl when you're, you're pursuing a career in sport, you know, suddenly friends who've been close to you, you've suddenly got to stop going out with them and you've got to stop. They might be doing certain things that you shouldn't be doing. And, you, you know, you've got to suddenly start developing a belief of what is right and what is wrong. And I think that when you go into the leadership space, you know, it's exactly the same things. You know, you've got to reconcile so many contradictions in the leadership space. And a lot of the time, the foundations are the moral courage, having the moral courage through your values to make the right decisions at the right time because it's the right thing to do. It's not always easy to do. It's, it's something that... If you hold on to, then you can probably sleep at night a lot easier. So I did that. And, and then the, the, the other thing I kind of realized from a young age, which I've kept in later life, 
is the need for peripheral vision. And by that, I mean that, you know, even as a young, young person, you know, I was very focused on the direction of travel that I was going in. Um, and this is where I wanted to go. And what happens sometimes is that you get derailed quite easily, particularly as a young person, because suddenly something doesn't, something hits you from the left or hits you from the right. And it kind of throws you off. But again, what I developed from a young age was that the ups and downs that you have through playing sport and cricket in particular, you, there's a need for you to have that awareness about what might be coming from around the corner. And it wasn't about being pessimistic and thinking, well, what could go wrong here? But it's at least having an understanding that the world isn't rosy. And that whilst it's rosy now, there inevitably will be challenges coming from the left or the right that are going to derail you. And how are you going to deal with that? So being prepared for that, again, uh, and thinking those things through from a young age just came to me um, from, from a young age. And I think I developed that more and more the more I played cricket, the more you're in a team environment, the more you're mixing with people. You learn about camaraderie. Cricket teaches you about strategy, you know, the, the, the discipline side of things, the winning and the losing. How do I deal with setbacks, the bounce back ability that people talk about? Um you know, so you can either cave in with those things or you can you can work out, well, how can I do everything I can to ensure that doesn't happen again um, in a variable sport like cricket, where there's no exact science about it. As I say, you could practice for a month really, really well and hit the ball well and then be out four times for nothing. But it's actually dealing with those setbacks and understanding that the game is variable. Sport is like that. There's no exact science to it. But belief that the more you practice, the more you do the right things, the more chance you have of success. And ultimately, it will come right. That's brilliant. That's really inspiring again. And what really struck out to me was that idea of moral courage that you were talking about in the middle, because you actually use the phrase kind of do the right thing at the right time. It's actually quite an kind of Aristotelian notion of practical wisdom, yeah. because it's, it's about the situations around you and having to make the best judgments. It's not when rules are often out, absence, etc. You're having to, having to decide. And that, and that clearly comes through experience but what I, what I do want to go back to is you, you mentioned Chance to Shine there which I know is a program that you were very heavily involved with and you got your MBE in relation to the work you did there and it's, it's a program that I've got really fond memories of and my memory of them was actually just the children having a lot of fun but there was a lot of learning going on there and was trying to get that balance, I think, between the, the skill development, which is kind of clearly important in you yes. know, sports coaching, but balancing out against these other qualities that you've just mentioned, things like kind of sportsmanship, you know, moral moral courage, developing resilience, etc. all these qualities. So you may not go on to be the best cricketer or, you know, open the batting for England or whatever, but through the chance to shine experience and other ones, you may develop qualities that hold you well in life else, elsewhere. So in sports coaching, and maybe you want to talk particularly about chance to shine, mm. where, where do you see the balance between kind of developing skills and, and, and perhaps character qualities? Well, Tom, I think firstly, you need to have uh, a situational awareness. So, for example, if you go into a club environment, you go into a club environment, you know the kids want to be there because they have exited and they've tran um, transitioned from a school into going into the club environment because they want to pursue cricket, even as a recreational sort of activity. In a school environment, you know, you might have a group of 25 children, of which there may be three or four that actually like cricket. So therefore, your job as a coach is to understand uh, the environment you're in to start with, and therefore what is required in that environment. I've seen so many coaches in the past who go in with their set views. 
and kids are static for long periods of time. And actually, at that age, if you just if you if you think back to your own days, what did you want to do in a PE lesson? You wanted to be active. You wanted to have fun. You wanted to enjoy it with your friends, your mates. And it needed to you know, you wanted to be out of breath at the end of it. But you've had a great experience. And I think that sometimes it's coaches. Coaches forget that ultimately in a school environment, that's what your job is. And through that, you might um, create a level of enthusiasm for kids who perhaps didn't, boys and girls who didn't like cricket before, were suddenly gone, this coach is ace. You know, he's great. Oh, well, she's great. And I want to I want to go to my club. We spent a lot of time coaching the coaches, talking to the coaches about what is their role within the school environment? What is it that they're looking to do? And it's all about enjoyment and fun. And look, the byproduct, if kids went on and went on to clubs and then went on to play professional cricket, great. But that was never our intention. The intention was always, and this is the philosophy that I bought into right at the beginning, which Mervyn King sold into me, was that um, this is about not what um, schools can do for cricket, but what cricket can do for schools. And competitive team sport and all those wonderful things that are spoken about, about you know what you as a youngster can learn about being involved in a competitive team sport environment. And the key part of that was competitive, because this wasn't just about coaching. It was about getting kids competing and saying there will be a winner and there will be a loser. And it's not about everybody getting certificates at the end of it and saying, well done to everybody, you're all winners. Unfortunately, that's not what life is about. So getting that early thinking, but doing it in a safe way where the kids don't feel threatened about winning or losing, but it's done in a safe way. But there's an underlying understanding that winning and losing, somebody will win from today and somebody will lose. And the losers will applaud the, the winners for winning. And next time, how do we ensure that you're on the other side and you're being applauded? We had an online curriculum as well. For example, in geography, you looked at cricket playing nations and demographics. In maths, you looked at the angle of shots, you know, all kinds of various things. So we try to, in line with the curriculum, we've got teachers to help us design it so that we could link the playground to the classroom. It became something teachers enjoyed as well. So we did a lot of CPD training for teachers. So, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to go about running cricket sessions when coaches aren't there? So you know, we ran a lot of level one courses for teachers to get them involved. I think there was a number of things that we did all geared around social uh, development and social mobility for, for the young people. And you, and you mentioned uh, your relationship there with Lord Melvin King, the former governor of the, uh, the Bank of England. And he talked, uh, or I think you've talked recently about how he said, like, cricket can change life and how, you know, team, team sport teaches so much about yourself and, and your life. And I think that's come through very clearly in, in everything that you, you've said. But there, there's still these kind of tensions uh, throughout all of that. And I think uh, the one you, uh, there was actually quite a backlash against competitive sport of a uh, while ago saying yeah almost that you may actually not learn things through yeah. or if it is too competitive yeah. it's the management of that learning uh, situation yes. like, like the idea yes. of the safe space the comfort so yes. i mean yes. I, my personal feeling is that not enough children get enough opportunities to fail safely these days and bounce yeah. back for it and we're doing them a disservice by not doing that so yeah and see cricket in itself might kind of change lives and all the rest of it but it is about the environment to some extent that that exactly. actually happens and the teaching that takes place. And Tom, this is why I said about the importance of what the environment the coach creates. And if it's if it's a culture of fear or an environment of fear or rigid rigidness, a lack of fun, a lack of support and understanding how to support 
the kids and as you quite rightly say you know lose in in a safe way as you're growing and learning about life and learning about winning and losing learning about rejection you know i mean one of the one of the great things that i was taught as a as a uh, as i came through the ranks and you know a friend of mine who's a transformational psychologist a chap called steve sylvester and he speaks about embracing rejection and learning to embrace rejection that's something that you only learn and think through as you get older but from a young age even losing is a sense of rejection um you know a, a lot more work still needs to be done if we're to inspire children to be the best that they can be to develop as human beings but also find the sport fun uh, that they wish to do that because obviously the benefits of that in later life which you know the sport legacy foundation talks about through having an indoor center with tennis and with cricket is that how can we get young people active you know how can we um, support their mental health through activities and um, you know create a lifelong love for activity and forget about cricket but it's about activity and i think that when you're in a school environment you know we hear a lot now about development of young people and they say that get them to play every sport they possibly can before they specialize at a slightly older age and i think there's a real need and i think it's a real importance to give them an opportunity to sample as many different experiences where they're in a slightly competitive environment uh, as much as possible because it's only through winning and losing and understanding that life is competitive that you're going to be set up for life and i think that that's what i learned from a very very young age hence why it was the pull towards chance to shine because i was a graduate of chance to shine in many ways before it was set up because yeah. it was about access and opportunity and i look back you know the cricket my cricket career was a platform as I believe, you know, spiritually, in order to allow me to do everything else, because it gave me the credibility. But it actually taught me so much about me and it developed me as a person. And that's the biggest richness that I can take out of playing cricket from a young, from a very, very young age and pursuing it professionally. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's great. And that's, and that comes, that shines really through everything that you've said today. And I think, as you say, the Sports Legacy Foundation and, and Jubilee Centre, many others now are trying to really help in that focus on training the trainers and particularly the emphasis around kind of character development, character education in, in that, you know, it is about the knowledge. It is about the skills. It is about the technical ability, but it's also yeah. so much about the person as well and how, and how do we help teachers really? Because most teachers train as well whatever i think instinctively understand that but sometimes it's the enactment of that on the, in in it's not just sport you know it's all subjects really yeah and i think and i think it's a mindset thing as well tom is that you know the shift uh for coaches i think is critical if we're to develop more rounded human beings and if you've got a platform like sport to do that i think that you know there is an opportunity there the quicker we embrace that the, the, the quicker we are going to be able to really use it as a catalyst to help change lives. And uh, talking of um, bringing people together, I want to kind of conclude this podcast talking a bit about the Commonwealth Games, which is here mm. in Birmingham. Uh, and we're all very excited about it. And uh, Women's T20 Cricket is going to be making its uh, debut. Have you got any particular kind of thoughts, predictions, uh, you know, kind of what, what, what's exciting you about the Commonwealth Games? Well, firstly, I was, I was in Pakistan because Pakistan have got, obviously, the women's team, they're competing in it. So I was part of that conversation when uh, it was initially taking place at the ICC table about uh, the Commonwealth Games, women's cricket, and we were all in favour 
that uh, women's cricket had to be included within the Commonwealth Games if there was going to be a cricket element to it. And I think the global audience and the growing element of women's sport, I think, you know, is there to see for everybody. You know, it's now rightly getting the, the time on TV. Yes, there could be more, but it's working its way up. We're seeing more females now as commentators and experts talking on sport, you know, and, and you know, we're seeing more young girls now being inspired by professional female athletes and and teams so i think it's going to be incredible that the uh, women's cricket will be at edgbaston i think the commonwealth games has to embrace the fact that the more girls particularly from inner city areas we can get to come and watch so you know you can have india pakistan all these different countries competing you know we need to get as many girls down there as possible and we need to have some really good strong outreach programs so how do we get a lot of these international female cricketers out into the communities, coaching into inner city areas, going in there and actually, you know, talking to them, doing some mentoring, talking to them about the healthy lifestyles and what they eat, you know, um, how they used, you know, developed resilience to get to where they got to. Because I know from my own experiences in Pakistan, every girl who plays cricket for Pakistan has had a journey to go through in order to make that happen. And, you know, I was sort of lucky enough to be at the forefront of that. So, you know, I'm delighted, particularly selfishly, that the Pakistan women's team is going to be there because I know this is a huge moment um, for the country to have their women's team competing in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, I agree with them. Now I can't wait for it to start already. We always conclude these podcasts with what we call kind of a virtue from a hat. And I'd just like you to name someone that you think you kind of really exemplifies that that quality. So uh, I I pulled out the quality of courage. Nelson Mandela. Yeah, tell me more. Well, I think think that the, the courage to come out of 20 odd years or whatever it was of being stuck in a cell and... The, the first thing that you talk about is unity and trying to unite the nation, I think, are the skills of a transformational leader that not everybody can have. You know, how do you spend 30 years in a cell and still walk out with no bitterness and want to unite a nation? And I think to have the courage to follow that, it's not just something any common person can do. I think you have to be a very special virtuous person to even see the world in that way some of us may think we are and try and think we can do it but then to follow it through through actions i think takes a huge amount of courage thank you very much indeed what a wonderful way to conclude this podcast thank you very much indeed wasn't for being our guest today thanks tom it's been a pleasure We hope you enjoyed listening to this Conversations on Character Commonwealth Games special hosted by Professor Tom Harrison and produced by me, Joe Medell, on behalf of the Jubilee Centre and the Sport Legacy Foundation. To hear all previous episodes and to learn more about this collaboration, visit jubileecentre.ac.uk slash commonwealthpodcast or sportforlifeinternational.org. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.